0: If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to
1: podcasts. This is uh, This is not The Godfather, but you should still listen to me when I tell you to... Uh, listen to the 430 movie podcast. It's at 430movie.com and they'll make you a podcast you can't refuse.
0: Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And if you're a Star Trek fan and you haven't already picked up the hardcover edition of the 50-Year Mission, it's time for you to go out and get the paperback version of the 50-Year Mission, which is just out in paperback from St. Martin's Press. This is the complete oral history of Star Trek, the first 25 years from me and Ed Gross. And if you think you know everything there is to know about Star Trek, think again. The 50-Year Mission, out in paperback now. And if you can't read, the audiobook is still available.
1: Electric now? What does that mean? It means that you can watch us do these wonderful podcasts and so many other things, too.
0: Hey, uh, Darren, when I was a kid, I used to love The Electric Company. You know why? Because I knew one day Morgan Freeman would be a great actor. But (laughs) if there's one thing I love about electricity that's even better than Schoolhouse Rock and the electric company. It's the Electric Now
1: channel. But also, they're turning it on and bringing the power. Yes, they are.
0: (laughs) And we're turning you on. No. 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 (laughs) No, That's highly inappropriate. Okay, Well, we (laughs) are turning on the power here at Electric Surge. you may have for the last year or so been enjoying these amazing audio podcasts, like Inglorious Trexperts, the 4:30 Movie, best movies never made. Now you, you can
1: watch. You them. ain't seen nothing yet, no, but you now, now you can.
0: <laughs> you can on Electric Now, available on Stir TV and Distro TV, which you can download from your favorite app store, and soon coming to the Electric Now app. Get to see us as you've never seen us before, <laughs> because you've only seen us in the theater of the imagination. Now we're going to be on your Tablet, on your telephone, on your TV, and in your house. (laughs) The call is coming from inside the house. So make sure to check out Electric Now, streaming now on Stir TV and Distro TV, and coming soon to the Electric Now app. Hi, this is Mark A. Altman, and this is Darren Doctorman, and we are the Glorious Experts. and this is the 51 greatest episodes of Star Trek. No, it's greatest not. moments. It's this. This is the 51 greatest Star Trek moments of all time. I think
1: you've just part done two moment twelve,
0: <laughs> part two, episode. Not episode. Stop part saying two. episodes. Don't say part episodes. Moments. Moments. Twenty-seven. Like. Tears in the Rain to one, <laughs> 27 to one. This is it. This is this is the big finale. T- counting us down to number one. When last we left the countdown. we um, 28. Number 28, we, we, number 28 I, I just talked about stealing the Enterprise from Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. We pick up with Ashley Miller with number 27, the 27th, 27th greatest Star Trek moment, Mr. Miller.
2: Let me tell you something about outer space, Mark. Um, Something about the the human adventure. It is very cold. It's just beginning? It is just beginning. And you know what else? It's not safe out here. It's wondrous, with treasures to satiate desires both subtle and gross. But it's not for the timid. No, it isn't. Moment number 27 is the end of Star Trek The Next Generation's Q-Who, the introduction of the Borg.
3: That was a difficult admission. Another man would have been humiliated to say those words. Another man would have rather died than ask for help. I understand what you've done here, Q. But I think the lesson could have been learned without the loss of 18 members of my crew. If you can not take a little bloody nose, maybe you ought to go back home and crawl under your bed. It's not safe out here. It's wondrous, with treasures to satiate desires
2: both subtle and gross. But it's not for the timid. When Captain Picard must demonstrate humility to Q and admit that humanity is not quite prepared for everything, although we will become prepared. Um, and what I love about uh, Q's speech to Picard its not he isn't demeaning Picard, and he isn't demeaning humanity. but he's what he's telling Picard is, you know, there are things that you've taken for granted. Um, about, uh, you know, your your own power and your own mastery of the universe. And I am doing you a favor. I'm teaching you something. And it was really a moment, I, I thought, where Q was explicitly on our side, although he, he threw us into a horrible situation. And it, it, it was kind of the precursor of, of what became of um, the next generation, I think, and also Deep Space Nine in many ways. Mm-hmm. And possibly Picard. And possibly
0: Picard. Excellent choice. Excellent episode. We've talked about it at a great length. Q. Who? Um, now we go to Rort Burnett with moment forty-six. Uh, forty-six. Twenty-six. <laughs>
2: Twenty. Moment twenty-six. <laughs> moment, <laughs> moment forty-seven. Uh, by Joe Manowski. <laughs> I've already touched on two
4: two TNG two parters. I'm going to talk to. Uh, I'm going to touch on another one. Um, it comes from the second half of Chain of Command. Uh, mm. Chain of Command Part Two. Of course. Uh, one of the great things about this episode is Patrick Stewart gets to act with David Warner, the great David Warner as Gold Madrid the Cardassian officer that is is the t- intelligence officer who's tasked with finding out the intelligence or the, the defense plans for Minos Corva, and he's going to get them by any means necessary, and he tortures Captain Picard. And it's basically in one room, mano mano. Patrick Stewart had already admired David Warner as an actor, saying of him that he'd had one of the great Hamlets ever on the British stage. And here are these two men, Patrick Stewart, working with somebody he's already greatly admired outside of Star Trek. And, of course, the what goes on between them is, is incredible. But the moment I'm talking about is, of course, the very famous moment where Patrick Stewart finally, after all of this torture and everything Picard has endured in this episode, sticks it right to him and says, how many lights are there? There are four lights. You did not break me, you son of a bitch. And it's one of my favorite moments in any Star Trek episode. I love Patrick Stewart's acting, and it gets me. And the way he's hes like a broken man, but just gets enough, is able to hold on to his humanity and hold on to himself enough where he can just stick it to him as he's being let out the door. And when, he shoves that dude on his way
2: out the door. Like that, that guard.
0: Dude. It's so great. You it's know, it's so interesting. Great. And sometimes when the actors wear their you know, um, personal passions on their sleeve. It's not a recipe for success. You know, it's kind of like feels wedged in there and force, but in his case, his, his support, Patrick's support for Amnesty International, his desire to do a show about torture, um, really, uh, paid dividends because it's a very, very powerful episode. And, uh, obviously one of the true, um, Iconic moments of that show. I mean, you know, I'm, I, not only us, but I mean, how many times you've heard, the four lights. You know, On this I mean, show. Well, you know, there's,
4: Star Trek has a sort of a tradition of doing uh, single room stories well. I think Measure of a Man, basically a, a courtroom. Sure. The drumhead. head. The drumhead, another great one. Duet, the penultimate episode of mm-hmm. the first season of Deep Space Nine. And that episode is a great two people in a room. It's
2: the best and cheapest special effect.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, great acting is the cheapest special effect. <laughs> so, uh, great choice. Moment 25, Darren Moment
1: 25. I'm going to go to the next generation. No. Big surprise. Um, it is a big surprise. It is, it is, that's what I'm saying. It is. It uh, is. It is. This, is a, this is a moment that uh, Ashley has mentioned in the past, and I think it's a very good one. It is the first uh, actual discussion between Picard and Riker in uh the pilot and how uh Picard is basically an ass and he is relying on Riker to uh, uh provide a, an air of uh what, what, what geniality is it? geniality yeah he's, he's they' given me a boatload of children and I don't like it I've never been very fond of children and uh uh he uh, he he tasks Riker with uh, helping him in that in those aspects, and he calls him out on the uh, the non inclusion of the captain in away teams. And I think that's a lot of fun because, uh, of course, that was something that was called out on TOS. Why is the captain always going on these dangerous missions? The captain is ne- is necessary on the ship. He should never go down to. Uh, 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 landing parties, and uh, that's stupid. And so Roddenberry corrected it with uh, Next Generation. But For I I, I love that scene. I love that scene. Yeah,
0: it's a great scene. It's a great scene. And, you know, not from a great episode, but again, a great moment in right. a, in a, in a middling episode. <laughs> um, great choice. So that brings us to um, Moment 24. 24. Well, I, I have to say that if somebody challenged me to a gunfight.
2: Are you challenging you me to a, a duel? duel?
0: No, <laughs> I, I wow. would sit in a bar. I love this show. So <laughs> long after five o'clock and yeah. I would avoid the gunfight. Okay. I would sit at the bar and drink okay. and, 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 and I wouldn't leave. If you could. I would sit here until well after five o'clock <laughs> and it would be as though the gunfight never happened. Okay. But not inspector of the gun. Inspector gun, Captain Kirk has a great plan. You know, they can't get out of town because there's a um, force shield. But he says, okay, we're going to sit in the bar. We're going to hang out. It's going to be fine. We're never going to go to the OK Corral. Don't. And then <laughs> snap zoom. <laughs> we're suddenly at the OK Corral facing off with Wyatt Earp and his. And the, the Clanton. And gang. the, and, the clan, and, and, and with the clan gang. You know, and there's no way around it. Don't have to worry about that now, Jim. Look at the clock. Ten minutes
5: That's all gonna end The pale cake Well We're gonna wait Right here Until well after Five o'clock We're not gonna move From this
0: spot Except there is because it's all an illusion that's right but that's not my pick my pick is <laughs> that moment we're where they s- sit here till well after five o'clock and boom and uh, again Specter the Gun not even close to our top 50 list never never mentioned in the, the, the deliberations but to me one of the great Star Trek moments from Star Trek's uh, reviled third season and plus oh my God they killed Chekhov yeah and oh my God they <laughs> killed Kenny and Chekhov <laughs> Yes, scream they have so uh, Specter the Gun. De- definitely says gub. gub, gub, gub. <laughs> gub Specter of the gub. So my pick is from Specter of the Gun, Specter of the Gub, if you will. <laughs> um, and that is episode uh, my moment, pick. moment twenty four, moment, moment, moment twenty four,
1: which brings us to moment twenty three, number twenty three, number twenty three.
2: Once again, I will um, find a thematic follow up to Mark's selection, but not a tonal. Follow. In fact, I, it's it's almost the opposite. Um, this is a, another Star Trek episode. This time from, from Deep Space Nine. A moment from a Star Trek episode. This time from Deep Space Nine. Correcting my terminology mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, about people living in an imaginary world and
0: not a material world. Not a material a, world. A, a, a ma- but discovering
2: world. that um, that they they can't make what's in their minds real. I'm uh, speaking from the, about the ending of uh, Deep Space Nine's Far Beyond the Stars. I
3: am a human being, damn it. You can deny me all you want, but you cannot deny Ben Zisko exists. That future, that space station, all those people, they exist in here. In my mind, I created it, and every one of you know it, you read it, it's here, you, you, you hear what I'm telling you, you can pop a story, but you cannot destroy an idea, don't you understand, that's ancient knowledge, you cannot destroy an idea, that you I created it, and it's real, don't you understand it is real i created it and it's real it's real oh god
2: Mm -hmm. Uh, benjamin cisco imagines that he is an african-american science fiction writer um you know in a bygone uh era where, you know, being an African American science fiction writer was not a thing uh, that that one did. Um, and his efforts to to be creative, to create, to tell stories were just were resisted in in every possible way. And then then the worst thing, um, discovering that, of course, it was all uh, in his mind. and his breakdown, At the end, his insistence uh, that it's real and it's real because he imagined it. It's just it's so powerful. And it's just such a testament uh, to Avery Brooks and his power as an actor.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Fantastic choice. Fantastic episode. And uh, one of Deep Space Nine's best. And it also gave uh, the actors a chance to shine mm-hmm. out of uh, their prosthetics. Yeah. And uh, we talked about Casey Biggs in an earlier show. Um, but, you know, seeing Armin and, and uh, all of them out of makeup, great, great episode and just powerful scene with a lot a lot of moments that could have made this list, but that, that's probably the best choice. So now that brings us to episode. God yeah. d- Jessica Van Puttermaker. That brings us to Jessica Van Puttermaker. That brings us to number 21. 22. 22, (laughs) 22, yes. Room for one more, honey. (laughs) (laughs) Brings us to 22, Robert Meyer Burnett. What is our 22nd Greatest Star Trek moment? Well, I'm going to go
4: back to the first season of TOS, the original series, to the episode Space Seed.
5: You are an excellent tactician, Captain. You let your second-in-command attack. Why, you sit and watch for weakness. You have a tendency to express ideas in military terms, Mr. Carl. This is a social occasion. <laughs> it has been said that uh, social occasions are only warfare concealed. Many prefer it more honest, more open. You fled. Why, were you afraid? I've never been afraid. But you left at the very time mankind needed courage. We offered the world order. (laughs) We.
4: Excellent. To the dinner with Khan, Mm -hmm. I would like to say. Dinner with Khan, where the crew has invited him to a dinner and they basically reveal to Khan that they know exactly who he is. And uh, Kirk reveals that, and uh, not not
1: quite at that
4: dinner. Well, not Khan quite. Noonien's treatment for Khan Noonien Singh, right? You know, and then they have the conversation. But what I specifically like is the moment where they goad Khan, who's mm-hmm. trying to keep right. his cool. Right. Mm-hmm. We offer the world order. Dun dun. We. Dun, dun, dun. It's and brilliant. I, dun, 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 dun. First of all, that episode... It's an excellent it's a you, yeah, Captain yeah. Kirk. You're an excellent... It is so... Yes. I love that whole episode and that episode because it's been overshadowed by Star Trek 2, Spacey does not get the love it deserves. It is a fantastic episode of Star Trek. Ricardo Montalban is, is amazing as Khan, and the interplay... The, the, the great thing I love about that episode is Khan doesn't want to do harm to these people. Right, It's so useless. Every <laughs> one of you will go in there. He's like, please just help me so yeah. I don't have to kill y'all. I love, but that dinner moment when he finally breaks. Yeah, it's great.
0: I have to say, you know, because like you said, Space Seed exists in the shadow of Star Trek Two now, and Space Seed was never one of my favorite episodes. That scene is amazing. It's amazing. I love that scene, and I, I completely agree with you. It's, it, that to me is the best thing in the episode. He, Ricardo is great, Shatner's great, the whole idea that he let Spock go at him, until, it, it is kind of that scene in A Few Good Men, you know, where, where Nicholson finally, you know, uh, breaks your damn right, I gave him that <laughs> code red, that's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, There's a man like, out I mean, there I a haven't way, seen in 15 years. know they have set, the Botany Bays, but it's
4: really a bottle episode. Yeah, you right. know, you're on this, and they don't even really—they're in the conference room set. You know, they're having dinner in there. Then right. they redress it for a courtroom. And,
0: you yeah, know, it's it's great, it's great, a uh, fabulous, <laughs> fabulous choice. Uh, Moment twenty-two is uh, twenty-one. For twenty-one, we're going to travel back in time to
1: nineteen eighty-nine, Star Trek five.
2: Ooh,
1: the the moments. There's a couple moments in this scene. Where we see the secret pain of Spock and McCoy. And sort of it's almost a flashback. it's It's done very theatrically, and it's really beautiful. but the the moment that McCoy has to basically euthanize his father, and it's absolutely beautiful. And uh, uh, D. Kelly is great in in, in this uh, in this moment. And it leads up to, you know, the great, uh, I need my pain speech from Kirk, but it's so lovely to see this this hidden uh, part of McCoy's past, and I think it's uh, it's very moving.
0: And you know what's great about that is D. Kelly did not want to do that scene. He didn't mm-hmm. like it. He didn't want to do it. Uh, you know, le- there was almost a mutiny with Leonard and yeah. D. Kelly. And at the end of the day, you know, he had a job to do, and he did yeah. it, and he did it splendidly for his director.
1: Yes,
2: William Shatner. I I love that scene. And, uh, and I always I, will. I always will. <laughs> I, yeah, I never forgive it for the what? I'll never forgive it for being in that it's so up. hated movie. Um episode uh, it's you. Moment it's 21.
0: You. It's 20. 20. 20. 20. 20. It's you. 20. 20. 20. 20. 20. 20. Okay. 22 and you. Words. Yeah. I, you know, I keep saying this. Not a great episode, but yeah. a great scene. One of my favorite scenes in Star Trek has to in an episode that I don't particularly like, uh, Captain Kirk is rapidly aging. He's forgetting mm-hmm. things Gamma hundred we're in orbit around gamma hundred six You know, two two whatever <laughs> <And> I'm forgetting <laughs> things too apparently because I'm getting up there <laughs> he's and, forgetting. Uh, and, and, and and uh so uh, and he's dealing with a Millie mouth diplomat as uh, uh, who who thinks Commander stock Commodore stalker Commodore who, stalker, who yeah. thinks he knows how a starship what a starship can do right has no but idea. He and at the end, uh, the Enterprise—he's he t- taking them to the Romulan neutral zone uh, in Romulan space. They're surrounded by right. Romulan ships. The, the crew is lost. <laughs> the, the, the ship is in danger. Uh, it, the, all, all is lost. It, it seems like we're 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 screwed. They're going to take the Enterprise and and, 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 and take its technology uh, apart piece by piece. But then, Senator, distress enter, call. Uh, Captain James Tiberius Kirk, who is restored to his virility <laughs> and to his lost youth. And he asks O'Hora to transmit his message to Starfleet on Code 2, but the Romulans have broken Code 2. Code 2. But he insists. And, of course, it's his way of having the I mean it's like breaking the enigma code and That's t- right. I mean it's ama- I mean it's, it's such a great strategy for all the times he's done that dumb corbinite bluff it's right. so smart and he you know when he strides onto that bridge at the last moment when it appears that like we are totally screwed and captain kirk just takes command yeah it's one of the great Star Trek moments. In fact, it's the 20th great <laughs> Star Trek moment. <laughs> and uh, my pick is is Captain Kirk returns to the bridge as a young man in the deadly years.
5: We're surrounded by Romulan vessels. Maximum of 10. Range, 50 to 100,000 kilometers. Engineering, the Captain. I want full emergency power. I want everything within about two minutes. I want the warp drive engines on full standby. Kirk, up. Open up a special channel to Starfleet Command.
1: Code 2. Captain, code...
5: That's an order, Lieutenant. Code 2.
1: Yes, Captain. Code 2.
5: Message. From Enterprise to Starfleet Command the second. Have inadvertently encroached upon Romulan Neutral Zone, surrounded and under heavy Romulan attack. Escape impossible. Shields failing will implement the struct order using Cobramite device recently installed. Since this will result in the destruction of the Enterprise and all matter within a 200,000 kilometer diameter and establish a corresponding dead zone, all Federation ships will avoid this area for the next four solar years. Explosion will take place in one minute. Kirk, commanding Enterprise out. is Course one eight eight degrees, mark fourteen. Speed, warp factor eight. Stand by. Stand by. ground
1: captain.
4: I think it's lovely.
0: That's a good one. Why? Thank you. Um, that brings us to number nineteen. Ashley Edward Miller. So um,
2: number nineteen. Here we go again.
0: First of all, 19.
2: I I feel as though I, uh, you know, the average age of a, uh, of a, oh, never mind. Um, the soldier killed in Vietnam was, it? no, 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 19. Um, oh my
0: God.
2: <laughs> I feel as though I've cornered the market on Benjamin Cisco.
0: <laughs> it's okay. Uh, Nothing wrong with that.
2: And this too is a moment where uh, age is confronted by youth in a captain returns uh whence he came uh to the to the position that he best occupies um i am speaking of uh the end of i, I think one of the great star trek episodes of of all time the visitor mm. uh when old jake sisco played brilliantly by tony todd um, finally finds a way to have a conversation with his father, believing that he's finally found a way to bring him back from, the, from subspace, mm-hmm. to which he's been lost, that he's been spending 40 years to try to rescue him. And, and we learn, like, you know, that he, he never had a family like this, you know, his, his, uh, his, his girlfriend, Corrine, like, that uh, she left him. You know, he gave up his writing. He gave up everything. And even, you know, when he has this moment that he can connect with his father in this space. He is still obsessed with bringing his father out and and he can't um, be present in it. And Avery Brooks, in that moment, begging Jake, begging his son, let me go, just let me go, because that's not what he wanted for him. Um, You know, that, that moment, that spoke to me when I first saw it, what, you know, 20 some odd, years ago and, and it speaks to me more even now um, because it's it's such a, a true moment about the relationship between parents mm-hmm. and children um, and the things we do to our kids and the things that we do for our parents or, or because of them and it's just it's beautiful and it's wrenching it's heartbreaking um, and it's just it's great science fiction. It's
0: a good one. Absolutely. Splendid episode splendid scene with uh, some great acting from Avery and, and Ciroc and, of course, Tony Todd. Fantastic. So, that brings us, uh now. 18, know, 18, 18. 18 uh, to Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett.
4: This is not going to come as a surprise to you, Mark, because you and I have been the extolling syndrome. the virtues. <laughs> no, 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 of this episode. Nope, nope, nope. It's the third season of Star Trek The Next Generation, and it is the ending of one of my favorite Star Trek episodes yes. of The Next Generation, the ending of the episode, The Survivors. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's not an episode that people, it doesn't show up in a lot of people's top 10, but you and I have talked about this episode so we for years.
0: the virtues of this episode. We the
4: virtues for a long time, and that is when the great John Anderson, who is one of the great character actors to have appeared on Star Trek The Next Generation as Mr. Uxbridge, it is revealed that he is not a human being, but he is actually an alien creature named, or called a Dowd, and, you find out what really is going on in the episode, and he reveals that he has committed genocide. He's used his powers and eliminated this terrible alien race that victimized him and, uh, and the planet that he was on and killing his, his beloved wife that he'd taken in human form. And when he explains it to Picard, and he says, you don't understand the scope of my crime. I've destroyed all of the husnok everywhere. And the look on Patrick Stewart's face, the acting, when he's coming to terms with what this means, that this, it, and I remember when I first saw this episode, my heart sank. Like, I literally, it was like one of these, oh, shit moments. And you see that Patrick Stewart's kind of doing the same thing. Like, I, and he says, well, he can't fathom that he said, well, what did he said, I don't, I can't believe the scope of your crime or something like that. Mm. And. Does, it's not he, for me to judge. Yeah, and he and, and he just he he he's out of his depth. I mean, he doesn't even know what to say, and and the shocking admission and uh, just the ramifications from a science fiction perspective, and somebody lashing out, being that angry and having the power to to snuff out an entire race, even though they're evil or bad. Man, it was a great Star Trek moment. I think about it now; it gives me goosebumps. Great. Obviously, I, actually, yeah. I
0: agree. I was so sure you were going to say you should have wished me luck, but, uh, but <laughs> oh, dude, to, oh, come on. Oh, no, no, I can't get that. But that was uh, that was uh, that's a, a great choice. And I mean, the more we can show the survivors love, hopefully people will watch it and see what we see in it, which is something truly magical. Nice house. Yeah. Good tea. tea. Good tea. Nice house. Yeah. Darren Dokument. Yeah, seventeen, huh? Number seventeen. All right.
1: Um, this is a this is a tiny little moment. But it's from our, Don't our, call our tiny, tiny. <laughs> no, it's our. It's from our favorite Star Trek: The Motion Picture. It's the point where, um, Kirk, uh, Kirk chides Decker for uh, spouting Not Decker out Adam. Not Decker unit yet. Uh, for spouting out Adam, and and Decker says, "Sir, it's my duty as your exec oh, yeah. to point out alternatives." <laughs> and Kirk goes. He, he's about to—he's about to yell at him again. He says, "Yes, it is," <laughs> and he does that little gesture with his finger, and it's—it's—you can just see the change in in the in Kirk in Shatner, and it's—it's it's great. It's just a tiny little moment that is brilliant.
0: So great. That brings us to moment sixteen. Now, I could say, <laughs> and I'm tempted to say, the scene in which William Shatner confronts Eric McCormick in Mark's office and <laughs> talks about Leela Colomi and farming and fucking on City Alpha 5. Not City on, on Alpha, Crunch, on City but uh 3. But I'm not! <laughs> because I recognize the tremendous danger potential in bringing up our own movie on this show. <laughs> so, instead, <laughs> I'm going to go completely in the opposite direction with a first season Next Generation episode. First uh, season? First season. Wow. It is... They, again, a great, a great uh, scene and not a great episode. It's not no a great Lieutenant
1: movie. Yar, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're <laughs> no, <laughs> no vaccine, vaccine and no, no Lieutenant Jar no treaty. And
0: no, <laughs> lieutenant. <laughs> no, it's not that. Okay. It is in fact um, when Picard meets with the other captains in conspiracy yeah. in oh. a cave somewhere Ooh, on the distant care, fringes of space, and it is it, it has the the suspense. And the the biting uh, paranoia of any great seventies conspiracy thriller. For a while, it's Seven Days in May. It's the Parallax View. It, it, it's the conversation. It's that good that it gives you chills. Where they're talking about these captains that are behaving strangely and something's going on in Starfleet. And um, it's you know ultimately it turns into the show where the head explodes. But uh, Which I kind I, of love. I, at that moment. <laughs> you know, we think we're watching what will ultimately become one of the great Star Trek episodes of all time. It doesn't, but that is one of the great scenes. And, you know, my heart goes out to Una Carapleides and her family, thoughts and prayers. So, uh, but it's great. And it's great because you get a sense of Starfleet. You know, there are all these ships and all these captains and Picard is, you know, part of one big happy fleet, which is not so happy right now because they're these, you know, parasites that are taking over people's bodies. But... um, it's almost as though that was a pilot for a very different Star Trek series. Yep. You know, and I would have watched that show. And, and you know, Homefront and Paradise Lost sort of get back to that kind of feeling. Well, there are only five changelings in the Federation. And that's my tie for, uh, for number 16 because I feel that they are very much similar uh, in, 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 in in what they're doing in terms of, uh, you know, the, the idea there are only five changelings in the Federate. Look what we've done with only five changelings on Earth. And, and conspiracy also touches on that, too, when the captains meet. So my pick for number 16 is a tie between the captains meeting and conspiracy and there are only five changelings on Earth. I couldn't do two. Moments.
2: Yeah. Maybe it was a tie between those two door scenes.
0: <laughs> no, no. The, thematically, they're tied. Yeah. Well,
4: a door opens and a door closes. I
2: think One that's... door opens. And I, thought you were
0: <laughs> I actually thought you were going with a wink of an eye. Not a wink oh, of an yeah. eye. With well, that which survives. No, 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 no. <laughs> It's like the sound of a door opening and closing. <laughs> that, witch survived. That, survived. that which survives. <laughs> what did I say? That which no, no, no. survives. Oh, that no, which survives. It's,
1: it's that which
0: it survives. That which survives. Are yeah. there ellipses? Or No. no. Or that, that witch which survives. survives. Yeah. That which survives. That which.
1: Yeah. As in you witch, as, yeah, she's you witch. But it's not spelled that way. It's no, I know. It's but, that, it's, but it's more fun. <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny. It's, a, it's, it's you know, funny? It's a like, joke. Ha-ha. It's a play How on words. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. like you're a clown. You amuse us. Oh, you amuse oh, me?
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> not a Star Trek moment. Oh. Okay. So, that was number 16. That brings us to Ashley for number 15. Ashley, what's your 15th greatest Star Trek moment? Well. So, man, we're really
2: down to the wire, aren't we? We're getting down to the wire. There, there are things that I'm afraid like god, what if they don't end up in like the top 10 don't F this show. But then I'm like, but if I like if I say them too early and they're not in the top 10 yeah. because they're in the top then F this show. It's just it's a <laughs> it's it's you know, it's it's like a balance of terror. Not chess, poker. Poker. I don't even know her. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. All right. I'm I'm doing the math here another deep space nine go ahead it is no it's not it's not it's not gonna be another deep space oh, Nine. oh the switcher that's right I can defy I have a will of my own and of my own um all right so uh I uh <laughs> I don't know no no I do know it's, oh my it's God. just it's difficult it is it's difficult, it's difficult. <laughs> it's I try, try to obey he <laughs> made me two things uh no uh number 15 is a next-generation moment from Star Trek First Contact. Uh, Captain Picard, um, having just essentially told Commander Worf to go stick it where the sun don't shine, uh, fully flips out in the Captain's Ready Room with uh, with Lily Sloan, played by the effervescent and luminous Alfred Woodard. Um and I gives just a I, I think a truly terrific performance, a truly terrific speech, like the famous the line must be drawn here. Yeah. Yeah. And I will make them pay for what they've done. Uh, Stuart is so feral, there's so much emotion to it. Um, and what's really wonderful about it is that um, it, it I think the scene really leverages um, Alfred Woodard's character status as an outsider to help Picard see himself in that way and who he's become so that he is capable then of going back onto the bridge and telling, wharf as they're evacuating mm. you're the bravest man I've ever known I mean I, I just think it's just it's a it's a great moment and it kind of sums up his whole relationship with the Borg.
1: plus it's capped by a, a great little line you broke your little ships yes <laughs>
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a great meta moment wasn't it yeah, yeah. Yep. no no that, that really is Nice. Okay. That was and now that brings us number 15, Roy Burnett. Number 15. 14. 14. 14, 14, 14 number 14. 14 I'm going go nice. to go yeah, to again
4: uh, the third season of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh the end of an episode that kicked off many other episodes, one of my favorite Star Trek: The Next Generation episodes, Sins of the Father. Mm-hmm. And is the end of the episode where Worf accepts discommendation and the in the great hall the klingon empire all of his fellow klingons turn their backs on Worf, and he has to accept a, a lie in order to preserve the empire and in doing so he shows that he has more honor than the entire klingon empire at one moment okay and, here we uh, go rob <laughs> I, that episode, I mean, it kicks off the next, uh, there's follow through for uh, all the way into Deep Space Nine from that episode. Mm -hmm. And I just, I love that moment. I love that episode. I I think it's it's amazing. And that that happened to one of our our principal characters was something you hadn't seen in Star Trek up to that point. No.
0: And, and yeah. it, 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 you can't understate the importance of a serialized story arc, which was so rare in Star Trek at that point. It was a different age of ter- television, and yet this storyline continued for many years and arguably never done better than it was in Sins of the Father. Unbelievable. Yeah. Great, great choice. Uh, Darren Dockerman, number number 13.
1: Yes, number 13. I'm going to go with something that is from not a favorite episode of mine from TOS, uh, from the Cloudminders. Okay. <laughs> um, it's Spock flirting with Droxine. Yes, yes,
2: yes. She
1: says, "I've never met a Vulcan before." I've never met a work of art.
0: Let me do <laughs> That's my a thing. conversation. No, it's not. Oh.
1: Okay. Well, Frank, I'll finish no, no. one of your sentences next time. <laughs> but <laughs> finish she yes, says, sandwiches. Uh, and and yes, yeah, she says, "I've I've never met a Vulcan before." And Spock says, "Nor I a work of art." And he's he's macking on her, yeah. big time, yeah. and it's uh, it's it's very funny because the rest of the episode is kind of clumsy, and you can see that they're trying to fill in gaps with. Uh, with uh, stuff that they didn't get shot and, you know, uh,
0: a voiceover. a voice lovely o- scene. Uh, I can only wonder what yeah, comes through her mind. a, a
1: voiceover from Spock over <laughs> what, what looks like stock Amazon. footage that they shot. It's just very confusing and very goofy, but uh, I love that moment with Spock.
0: Oh, come on. But, you know, I, if I was going to pick a moment from, from Cloud Martz, don't you think it would be when when Kirk is starting to feel the effects of the xenite guest? I said dig! And him and Jeff Corey start fighting. I mean, come on. That's But yes. How do you know that wasn't another? Plus selection? that's one of the great dresses. Uh, uh, William Weary is one of the great dresses. Absolutely. And she is she is luminous. She's stunning. Luminous. Yes. stunning. She's she's a work of art. She is a work. She is After a work <laughs> of art. And uh, uh you know it's not it's not just a sandwich; it's a it's work an of an art. It's an interesting. episode. We don't have time to discuss it here because it, it definitely doesn't work. But there's things about it that are very interesting. We'll and have of a course, full
1: episode and a retrospective. An of inspired the cloud Bespin.
0: Yes, it did. It kind of is Bespin. Sure. You just don't have the guy running around with the helmet. <laughs> but it's uh, the next the toaster. Bespin. <laughs> it's the next Bespin thing. The next Bespin thing. <laughs> I think. I think it's a good choice. Yeah. Uh, you know. Okay. Uh, so we're we're 12. At the moment twelve. Moment twelve. 12. And I'm gonna Truth go back power. I'm gonna go back to uh, which seems to be dominating our list Deep Space 9. okay. okay. And um, my pick, and I have to say we're all Rob and I we're, we're, we're friends with uh, Aaron Eisenberg. Just what a, we haven't really talked about on the show. What a what a loss mm-hmm. at yeah. his age. Uh, just a guy who had such a joy to vivre. And it's funny because we met him in Paris. We'll always at a, have Paris. We'll always have Paris. And had the... Sacre bleu! We had the greatest time with him. We found and out Star Trek fans are like the world over. We, indeed we did. Indeed we did. But Aaron was just a sweetheart and we became very dear friends we didn't see him that much but whenever we did it was always always a huge smile and, yep. and a wonderful guy but one episode he wasn't smiling in, and i think it's his tour de force performance is the end of it's only a paper moon mm-hmm. and Probably he's hot. been wrestling with uh, ptsd from having lost his leg in uh, siege on ar uh, 538 which is a, also a wonderful episode oh God, I mean, yeah. we don't talk about much and um uh you know Up until that point, the the whole victim-owned character could be perceived as sort of uh, Ira Bear indulging his Frank Sinatra uh, fetish and and, and a sort of comical foil and, you know, the kind of goofy thing they do on the holodeck. But boy, it's only a paper moon. Does that character land in a big way? And what Aaron gets to do, uh, it, it just shows, man, this kid had chops and he's great And it's very powerful. And as much as we love it, you know, you talk to veterans who who have seen the show and how much it resonates for them in terms of uh, um, dealing with with issues of being a returning veteran and uh, PTSD and uh, losing a limb. It's just, uh, uh, you know, look, I put it along, um, you know, best years of our lives. I mean, it's just a really kind of... um, powerful and potent uh, a- episode and you know a lot of people don't necessarily talk about it but uh really great and a real testament to aaron's legacy uh you know as an actor mm-hmm. um so that would be my pick uh for number 12 which is its, uh uh you know the 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 finale the culmination of nog you know wrestling with uh, his loss and it's only a paper moon with uh with Vic on the uh, in the and uh, it's also a really fun episode. There's some very light moments. He's doing taxes and they're setting up a business and Nog doesn't want to leave the hollow suite because he can't confront reality. And the whole episode's great, but obviously we're doing moments. So for me, it's, it's when he finally comes face to face with uh, everything that he's lost and, and, and decides to once again... Embrace reality and step outside the holodeck and he can't live in a fantasy world anymore. Really, really well done.
2: And good Lord, can I just say again, for the record, how astonishing Deep Space Nine was in its ability to take characters who were talk tos and throwaways and comic reliefs and turn them into these fully realized three dimensional uh, beings with their own interior lives, you know, and, and just how Nog went from Jake's little, you know, the he was the bad kid to talk to, the whatever, who is also a Ferengi, whatever, into that, and that it, that Deep Space Nine's bench of uh, of great stories is so deep that we're like, oh yeah, it's only a paper moon, right? I mean, right? Uh, and I think speaking of of episodes with the word moon. In them. Number eleven. Number eleven. <laughs> from also from Deep Space Nine. Hmm. From In the Pale Moonlight. Yes. Uh at the end of, of that episode after uh Cisco realizes um that Garrick, you know, like any good genie, you know, granting wishes, you know, or any good monkey's paw, is essentially delivered to him. Um, what he asked for on some level, even, you know, what he needed and the question, you know, um, of be of Cisco of himself being involved in the assassination of a Romulan ambassador and covering it up in a massive lie all to bring the Romulans in on the war into the war on the side of the, the Federation. Um he gives this you know this captain's log where he he struggles with it he lays it all out trying to decide if he can live with it and at the end of that that captain's log he says i can live with it i can live with it computer delete log and it's just it's great it's perfect
3: at 800 hours station time the romulan empire formally declared war against the dominion they've already struck 15 bases along the Cardassian border. So this is a huge victory for the good guys. This may even be the turning point of the entire war. There is even a welcome to the fight party tonight in the ward room. So I lied, I cheated. bribed men to cover the crimes of other men. I am an accessory to murder. But the most damning thing of all, I think I can live with it. And if I had to do it all over again, I would. Garrick, was right about one thing. A guilty conscience is a small price to pay for the safety of the Alpha Quadrant. So I will learn to live with it. Because I can live with it. I can live with it. Computer, erase that entire personal log.
0: One of the great episodes of Star Trek ever. One of the great scenes. Certainly a daring and uh denouement. None of the other shows could have pulled it off. No way. And Which takes great.
1: us to the final
0: 10. The final 10. Aren't the we on 11? He yeah, just did I just said 11. Oh, my God. We're in the top ten. We're in the top, top, 10. top ten. We're running out of, I mean, this is like, there's too many great <laughs> scenes. Exciting. How are we going to do this? How are we going to decide? Well, let's find out. Carefully. Robert Meyer Burnett. Number 10. A lot rests on your shoulders as we enter the top ten. Uh,
4: one of my favorite moments in Star Trek history, it will start us off for our top ten, going all the way back to the first season of the original series, Balance of Terror. hmm And it is a moment after, of course, the Romulans have snuck across the neutral zone, and they're taking out Federation outposts, and whatever the Enterprise does, it could lead to war if they don't succeed in intercepting this Romulan vessel, and it's allowed to get home. But Kirk has a moment of doubt, where he's with Dr. McCoy, and he says, why me? Why me? He's vulnerable there, and McCoy gives... A great speech where it's one of my favorite I can't remember it Mm -hmm. off the top of my head right now but he basically says in the vast infinitude of the universe uh, there's only one of each of us don't destroy the one known as Kirk and it's 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 to me everything that Star Trek is about is in that moment and that is when when a friend of yours might be down, or when you're in a vulnerable position, there is somebody there to hold you up, to prop you up, to catch you, to give you the words that you need to hear to keep going, no matter how difficult the job may be. But it's just, I think, in my mind, it's all of Star Trek encompassed in one
0: exchange. You could not one. have. Um, it's the most literate Star Trek series, no question. You know, it seems like that that, that define the original Star Trek. Yeah. It's why you know, whatever. Its failings, it endures, you know, and continues to be one of the few shows of its era that stands, you know, as a, a, a you know show that people still watching still are invested in. This is fantastic. In this
4: galaxy, there's a mathematical probability,
0: you know, mm-hmm. and he goes on from there, and it's just yeah. it gets me every time. I talk about, it, I get goosebumps. Fantastic. I, I, you just talking about it gives me goosebumps. Yeah. So, uh, Darren, number nine, number, number nine, nine. Uh-huh. Number nine. Nice. This is this is from one of my
1: favorite episodes that uh, a lot of other people think is one of the worst episodes, but uh, I love it and I've always loved it. And one of the main reasons I've loved it was for the closing scene of the Omega Glory. Wow! When Kirk basically reads the con- the beginning of the Constitution to uh, the uh, to the crowd and us. And it is so jam-packed with meaning uh, and, and uh, wonderfulness, and it actually taught me the Constitution.
2: E poop nista.
1: Yes. The, not the, not the uh, you know. Schoolhouse Rock. Not Schoolhouse Rock. Mm-hmm. No, I knew it before that time because of Captain Kirk and the Yangs and the Combs. And I'm not going to perform it now, but go to kirkcorner.com and you can see me perform it on YouTube. But it's uh, it's oh, kirkcorner.com, uh, yeah. Okay. It's uh, it, you know, it's a wonderful moment, and uh, it's Kirk at his most
0: kirkiest. You haven't really seen it until you've seen it performed in the original Darren Doctrine version. <laughs> uh, really, really uh, interesting choice. Um, <laughs> okay, number eight, I have to say. There's no place for gods and apparently there's no place for the end of whom owns for Adonaius on this list. I really wanted to get that in there, but it doesn't belong in the top ten. not
1: did you're, this turn into p- the four thirty movie. You're putting out <laughs> you're putting out moment after
0: moment. No, no. In addition to your choice. Uh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's it's so sad and melancholy when he stands there and we realize we have no need for false gods anymore and he's swept up on the wind. But that's yeah. not my pick. I'll tell you what is my pick. It's, it's, it, it it was a, a ballsy move because it lost him a lot of fans. People thought this is the way he really thought. But Bill Shatner on Saturday Night Live mm. doing his convention appearance in a classic episode in which he also played Ollie North, That's right. um, uh, in which he lambasts a Star Trek convention and and insists they get a life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they don't. And eventually, after he's met with hostility and jeers from the crowd and the convention promoter, who uh, is played by Phil Hartman, who's 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 worried uh, about the the near riot that's going to ensue, <laughs> he says, "I was just kidding. That was the evil, Kirk." It's uh, <laughs> it, it is a great uh, piece of Star Trek in the popular culture, and it just shows how much Star Trek has infused. You know, uh, pop culture and how mm-hmm. everyone knows it, that that could be the um, the opening uh, yeah. skit on Sarah Live. Yeah. And to this day, it's probably been 25 years since that skit. People still talk about it. Get a life right. is still a phrase that's entered the lexicon. Everyone knows what you're talking about.
1: It's a good one.
6: You know, before I, I answer any more questions, there's something I wanted to say. I, I, having received all your letters over the years, and, and, and I've spoken to many of you, and some of you have traveled, you know, hundreds of miles to, to be here. I'd just like to say, get a life, will you, people? I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean for, for crying out loud, it's it's just a TV show. <laughs> I mean, look at you. Look at the way you're dressed. You, 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 you've turned an enjoyable little job that I did as a lark for a few uh, years into a colossal waste of time. I mean, I mean, how old are you, people? What have you done with yourselves? You—you you, you must be almost thirty. Have you, have you ever kissed a girl? I, I didn't think so. There's a, there's a whole world out there. When I was your age, I didn't watch television. I lived. So. Move out of your parents' basement <laughs> and get your own apartments and and grow the hell up. I mean, it's just a TV show, damn it! It's just a TV show. Are Are you saying then that we should pay more attention to the movies? <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying at all.
0: That brings us to number seven.
2: Seven. Um, number seven. I am. I am probably wildly. Like you know, under placing this moment, um, but uh, I remember the first time I, I saw this, I believe it was the summer of 89, May of 1989. Uh, I will no, damn it, time it just slips away from us. Um, Into the future, yes, I know, right? It day keeps by on day. slipping, but uh, I No, it was 90, summer of May of 1990. Um, And this was the year, season three of Star Trek The Next Generation, when we all realized that Star Trek The Next Generation was really good. Uh, And it was a, a worthy successor to the original series and it had an identity of its own. And I remember going into that summer, like literally falling forward from my seated position into my television screen until my nose bonked the cathode ray tube because uh, then-acting Captain William Riker said, Mr. Worf, fire and the deflector dish powered up and you knew that the enterprise was, was going to shoot and they were going to shoot the bore cube and captain Picard was Picard Captain Picard Captain Picard Captain Picard <laughs> <Captain McCord. laughs> <Captain McCord laughs> was going to be killed. Captain, McC- <laughs> Ma- captain <laughs> M- Kent McCard uh, that captain McCard was on board as locutus of Borg and everything seemed like it might change and it could come back. It could be the Riker show with like Commander Mm -hmm. Shelby as his XO and what the hell was going to happen. It was just like- I'm
0: ready for that one.
2: Oh my God, yes. Uh, It was just, I think, I can still remember exactly like just the moment of watching it. That's how powerful it was kind of seeing it for the first time. Mm. I mean, I know exactly where I was and where I was sitting and how I was sitting in the position of the television, um, the end of Best of Both Worlds Part 1. Nice.
3: I am Locutus of Borg. Resistance is futile. Your life, as it has been, is over. From this time forward, you will service us. Mr. Worf, fire!
0: Fantastic, great choice. Obviously, I think uh, a a, a legendary moment in Star Trek history. That uh, it it made a lot of people who were on the fence about Next Generation huge fans. That brings us to Rob Mar Burnett. This
4: is number six. Number six. Number six. Well, number six, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take you back to my favorite episode of the original series, the end, because I have something to say, and I have something to say about the end of Mirror, Mirror, and that mm-hmm. is, of course, the moment where our Kirk from our universe confronts the Mirror Universe Kirk and gives him a speech. Mirror Universe Spock. Mirror, pardon me, Mirror Universe yeah. Spock. Kirk, Kirk, Kirk Spock, but Mirror boy, Universe whatever. Spock, uh, who's going to send him back to his own universe, but Kirk takes a moment takes a moment to talk to him, because he's a man of integrity in both universes. And he basically says, in every revolution, well, he doesn't basically say it, in every revolution there is one man with a vision, which might be my favorite Kirk line of all time. Yeah. And he basically says, look, find a reason for sparing the Hawkins. Why do you have to kill these people? Make it stick. And he talks about waste. You know, This empire of yours is it's gonna go away. Why support it? The illogic of waste. And at the end, the Mirror Universe Spock says, I shall consider it. And you know that Kirk has gotten through to Mirror Spock. And I just, I love it. Uh, to me, it's, it's when I think Star Trek, I think of that exchange between those two guys. It's mm-hmm. a good one. And, um, great.
0: Great that's moment. It. Fantastic. Written and by the great Jerome Bixby. That's, a, that's correct. A powerful, powerful scene. That inspired uh, many mirror universe stories. None that lived up to the original. No. Okay, Darren Dockerman.
1: Five. Um. I gotta say that uh, number five is the first moment for me that Kirk and Spock are on Star Trek together. The first moment in.
0: Where No Man Has uh, Gone where Before. No Man Has Gone Before. Mm, the chess game. Mm. And.
1: God, ah, yes. Ah, yes. One of your earth emotions. Um, and Kirk saying, Kirk saying, is certain you don't know what irritation is? And Kirk is there. From moment one, Shatner has nailed Kirk. That smile on his face. Too. It's so good. It's so good, and you can see that when something, you know, something comes up on the view screen, Kirk snaps into action and boom, we're off to the story. But it's, it's the play back and forth between Kirk and Spock, and uh, uh, Spock sort of uh, goading him a little bit, and Kirk pushing back. It's so
0: brilliant, and it's wonderful. It's a great Star Trek moment, and that brings us to four. number four. Now I'm going to throw you a curve. I'm going to throw you a curve, and it's not Priscilla. Uh, okay, <laughs> it, 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 you know you're probably expecting the end of City on the uh, on the City on the Edge of Forever to be on this list. It's a, obviously a magnificent scene where um, Captain Kirk has to uh, his Spock holds back Captain Kirk, keeps him from saving um, Edith Keeler at the hands of a Mack truck. But I'm going to pick another scene for no, no. I'm saying that's what you would expect, right? The scene for me, the scene for us. Is the scene right before they go through the time vortex, where Kirk and Spock are saying goodbye yes. to Scotty and Uhura. They may and never if see each other long again. Enough, if you if you've of, waited long enough, each, each of, of you, you-
1: In turn, we'll go in there. We'll, no. yeah.
0: <laughs> we'll have to make the attempt. Yeah. And, and, and Scotty says, good luck, gentlemen. Yeah. And Uhura says, happiness, happiness at least. At least sir. Gives me chills. It gives me chills to say it. It's great. And then they jump through the time vortex into the past. Yeah. What happened? He only left a moment ago. To me, <laughs> as, as potent and as brilliant as the ending is and it is. That's the scene for yeah, me.
1: That's a that's a good one.
0: That stands out as one of the great Star Trek scenes of all time. And 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 unheralded. Uh, you know, we, we if you're sh- doing a clip show, yeah. you're showing Joan Collins get hit by right. the truck. You're not showing that scene, but to me, for the Trek experts, that's <laughs> the scene.
1: I would agree. That's so, uh, that's a powerful one.
0: We're we're getting close to the end here. Ashley, take us home.
2: Well, you might have expected the moment when Edith Keeler gets hit by a truck because Kirk allows it, because maybe you were in an alternate universe where Mark didn't say that, and then number three was that moment. But (laughs) what just happened is what just happened. So instead, (laughs) number (laughs) number three, speaking of of time travel and, and roads not taken, um... The very end, the very, very, very end of the very end of Star Trek The Next Generation, um, season seven, all good things. Uh, A really terrific capper for that entire series. Next Generation sticks the landing after a slightly uneven seventh season. Mm -hmm. Um, And the final scene is just beautiful. Captain Picard walks into the poker game where everybody else is playing poker and he just asks very humbly, you know, do you, do you mind if I, if I sit in? And counselor Troy says, you are always welcome. And he sits down and they play and the sky's the limit. Uh, And it's just, it's a, it's a perfect next generation
0: moment. It's lovely. And that's how you end a show. And then you do El Camino. I mean, Star Trek Generations. <laughs> <laughs> what a great uh, coda to uh, uh, seven years of Star Trek Next Generation. You know, look, we all love uh, the original series, but uh, the, the, we, we love Next Generation, too, and, and uh, that just cements why that is such a fantastic show that is worthy of our love and uh, and and excitement and seventy one or seventy five episodes talking about this for stuff. So uh, fantastic choice. Now that brings us to number two, And I'm actually gonna go for number two to Darren before we have Rob reveal our number one Star Trek moment. Darren Dockerman, the number two Star Trek <laughs> moment. Number two is number two. Who does number two work for, Darren? Number two
1: works for all of us because we're all fans of this sequence. Okay. Who is number one? We'll get to that. Okay, yeah, you are <laughs> it's the, <next> show. <laughs> the. You know, most unbelievers think this is boring, and oh my God, more of this scene. Let's get on with the story. Look, shut up, because Kirk's and Scotty's trip around the Enterprise in Star Trek the motion picture is one of the most poetic moving um, emotional scenes for me uh, of anything Mm -hmm. and uh, I dare say uh, Mm -hmm. a a few of us out there it is perfect it is our re introduction to Star Trek writ large it is uh, bigger bolder Better than ever. And here is Kirk reunited with his long-lost love. And you can see it in his eyes. You can see it as Scotty is sort of glancing. How do you like that one? You know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And the, the Jerry Goldsmith score is unsurpassed. It's beautiful. It is a wonderful Star Trek moment. Number two. Perfect choice.
0: Fantastic! Uh, I just—it's—it's it's, uh, the look of ecstasy on on Kirk's face as he sees the Enterprise for the first time after its refit—is—is—is—is is, is, is remarkable. And uh, it's only appropriate that we cap our celebration of the fortieth cel- uh, anniversary of Star Trek: The Motion Picture with that as number two on our list of fifty-one greatest Star Trek moments. Now, before we get to number one, which Rob will reveal in just a moment, <laughs> I want an honorable mention from each of you, real quick. Ashley Miller.
2: Good Lord, why'd you start with me? Um, pass.
0: I mean, there's so many. <laughs> you
2: can't do that. Uh, there's so many. Okay. Oh, well, okay, I know what it is. We can um, come back. My, my honorable mention is uh, at the end of yesterday's Enterprise, mm-hmm. uh, when the Enterprise D from the alternate future is heading into the, you know, is, is basically covering the Enterprise C's return back in time, you know, let history remember the name. Enterprise, great
4: choice. The flames are burning. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> the card gets great behind choice. The he
2: leaps. He does the whole like Dukes of Hazard
4: jump. That'll be the day. day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> My pick for honorable mention is a scene that Rob and I parodied in Free Enterprise. Uh, Eric McCormick did it pitch perfectly. Again, not a great episode, Return to Tomorrow, but one of the most well-known, one of the great Shatner Kirk speeches. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course that is risk is our business right it's like that's why we're aboard her it's 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 he articulates it's not star that's trek beyond star i'm bored being in space it's about why, <laughs> that's why we are bored we her. embrace exploration <laughs> why you know humankind aspires to the stars and why star trek revels you know in in boldly going where no one has gone before it is an encapsulation of uh, everything that Star Trek represents, and I think it's a great speech uh, by um, William Shatner as Captain Kirk, and my honorable mention goes to Risk is Our Business.
1: That's a good one.
0: My honorable mention is...
1: uh, It's obviously you've uh, noticed my friend is Chinese. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He got his head caught in a mechanical rice picker <laughs> the moment when Kirk is explaining to the police officer their presence there and Spock's pointed ears is absolutely wonderful in City on the Edge of Forever. And it is a moment of levity that is needed in the mm-hmm. story and it doesn't it doesn't break the tone of the episode at all. It it just takes a sort of a side street literally <laughs> uh, and and gives us this this sweet little moment um and, uh, of course, it's capped with Spock giving him the neck pinch, and, and we're out of it. But it's it's so much fun and wonderful, and, and Shatner is marvelous in it.
0: Another example of how Star Trek effortlessly blended comedy, drama, and pathos. Yeah. And that episode does it all. That brings us to number one. Oh, I don't get my... Okay, get oh, your honorable, oh, mention. honorable
4: mention. Don't grieve, Admiral. Ah, oh, yes. Mm. It is logical. <laughs> the death of Spock from Star Trek 2 The Wrath of Khan. The temporary death of uh, Spock. Uh, <laughs> you know what though? At the time. The I, I, it, it was shattering to watch yes. that. Nimoy's performance, Shatner's performance. Mm-hmm. My God, I- if there's anything that it's just that whole thing, uh that whole scene, the way it's played, masterfully done.
0: Fantastic. Great, oh. great, great, great choice. That was brings
4: it? us to number one. The number one moment. When you asked, Mark, you asked, you sent out an email asking about, you know, moments. I was thinking about Oh, moments on the show. Um, But there's one moment in Star Trek that I think that we owe all of it to, and I don't understand how this happened. I've read all about it. I've I've read people's accounts of it. I've heard people talk about it my whole life, but I still don't quite understand because it's not something that happens in television history. But the moment that NBC executives or Lucille Ball or whoever... Mm -hmm. Uh, had having watched The Cage, the first Star Trek pilot, and deciding it was too cerebral or whatever the hell they really said, they decided at some point, which I think is probably unprecedented in television history, certainly at that Not point. Not really. We, we can talk about that okay. afterwards. All right. Well, they decided to make a second pilot. They didn't kill Star Trek on the vine. They didn't let it die on the vine. They actually decided to make a second pilot and not only did they do that, but then Roddenberry, who shouldn't have defied the network at this point, then said, "I'm not going to get rid of Mr. Spock. Mm-hmm. He's going to keep the guy with the ears." They made where and no' marry the woman. Has gone. they right. yeah, they they made where No Man has Gone before. They made a second pilot. They brought in William Shatner to play the captain of the Enterprise. They retained some of the cast, but they made the second pilot, that was, of course, the third episode of Star Trek aired. But it led to this show and why we're talking about Star right. Trek
0: today. That decision. The greatest Thanks, moment executives. in Star Trek history are NBC executives <laughs> ordering a, a second, second pilot, pilot for the Star Trek series in 1965. Which was not unfounded because remember, Lost in Space
1: did a, an original pilot and they reworked it, they reshot half of it. Oh. Gilligan's Island, the same thing. Gilligan's Island had a completely different pilot with completely different actors. Mm. And they redid that because too. it was too cerebral. C- yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> so it, it wasn't unprecedented. It was rare, but right. it wasn't unprecedented like so many Star Trek And historians number zero would have you. on our countdown yes, zero. is
0: what does God need, need with, with the a starship? <laughs> you don't ask the Almighty for his ID. <laughs> What a great countdown! This was great, guys. What, what this was fun. They said it couldn't be done. Who said that? We could have done. Here. We could have done a hundred easily. There's yeah, so many. I was uh, so many that that, that we missed. Um, I'm sure our listeners will tell us on Twitter at Inglorious Trek or on Instagram at Inglorious experts or Facebook at the Electric Surge uh, Facebook page. Um, we look forward to hearing your thoughts and the, and the scenes you feel we missed the moments. In time, and I'm sure there will be lots. lot that will cause mm-hmm. us to have tears in the rain, and <laughs> the uh, we burn. I want to thank I want to thank Rob Burnett for once again returning to the fold, much like a wolf, and uh, of course uh, Ashley Edward Miller, thank who you. beamed down to uh, end the year or begin the new one. Yes, <laughs> uh, with uh, some very very exciting Star Trek memories. So, uh, on behalf of all of us, we want to thank you. Our loyal audience who's been with us all year, full year of Inglorious Trekking. And uh, if you're a fan of this podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts like 430 Movie, Rebel and the Rogue, Best Movies Never Made. And you can stream the video podcast of your favorite Electric Surge shows on Electric Now by downloading the Stir, Zuma, or Distro TV apps on your tablet, phone, or TV, coming soon to IMDb TV. And uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. We'll start to read our favorite uh, reviews from Apple Podcasts on the show. So uh, definitely, uh, if you want to hear your name or uh, hear your wit, your great wit being recited by us, uh, please uh, post a review. It helps bring new people to the podcast. And we uh, we love to welcome new viewers and listeners. Finally, a very special thanks and a happy new year to the great Bill Ritter. Bill, thank you. Any Star Trek moments we missed?
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, I was happy that uh, that Darren mentioned The Simpsons. There are 30 episodes of The Simpsons with Star Trek stuff in them. Wow. wow. Yeah.
0: And they're all written by Dan Weber. No. <laughs> 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 That's, uh, yeah. And then we didn't even talk about uh, Where No Fan Has Gone Before, the brilliant David Goodman right. uh, Star Trek uh, parody or Galaxy Quest. That's right. But, uh, you know, again, we only had 51 and we only had eight hours to record this. So uh, <laughs> we, 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 we apologize for anything we've omitted. Uh, also, a very special thanks to our producer, Natalie Miscelli. Happy, happy New Year! Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Can you believe you've been listening to us Jaw about Star Trek for a year now? That's really sad. <laughs> God, I'm so sorry. I'm so we gotta get her a really good Christmas present. Uh and Christmas of course it's
2: like six days Oh, six Oh, six days ago.
0: That's right. <laughs> and of course, uh, uh, special thanks to our own Santa Claus, uh, Dean Devlin, without whom the show would not be possible. It's been a great year. We look forward to sharing two thousand twenty with you as we continue to talk trek and C
1: Lab twenty twenty.
0: We'll see you again in the future where we'll be spending the rest of our lives. Anyway, Happy New Year, everyone, and keep on trekking, ingloriously, of course. Shh! Engage.